Welcome back to the Block Safety Podcast created by Foresight Consulting. My name is Aaron Simmons and I will be your host for the series where we'll be discussing health and safety as it applies to your blocks. I am no expert, but I'll be talking with experts and industry professionals and quizzing them on your behalf. Find our series on YouTube and Spotify. Feel free to follow us on social media. Let's begin. So we're going to start by talking with Alex from Jones Robinson. Hi, Alex. Hiya. How are you doing this morning? Never been better. Excellent. So you work for Jones Robinson. What is your role in so the company? I'm in charge of the um, block management division. Okay. And what does that entail? All the aspects of block management. So anything from overseeing blocks through the estates mm-hmm. um, online to large and complex sites. And what would constitute a block when you say block management? The smallest blocks that we have are only about four units. They are conversion. And then the largest that we have are 150 plus. So do you work all around the country or have you got a specific area that you work in? We call ourselves a local company. We are based in in Newbury, but we have four other offices throughout Berkshire at the moment. The company started as a letting agency and then just expanded further. At the moment, we do sales, lettings, valuations and block management. We do property management as well for individual flats and houses. Great. So how long have you been in the industry for? Just over 10 years. And has there been a lot of changes in those 10 years? Plenty of changes. There's always changes happening within that industry. And what's the most recent biggest change that you've well, gone through? The the biggest one is the upcoming safety bill. Okay. This is the, the most major change and the cladding certification that was initially implemented to high-rise blocks. And now it's just um, requested of any blocks that will have any type of flooding on them. Okay. So how have you had to adapt your business towards these new reforms? As, um, as a business, we cooperate with uh, a number of bodies that uh, okay. specializes in uh, health and safety and fire safety. So it is all about working together, trying to, um, to come up with a solution. There are people who specializes in what we're trying to achieve. And it's all about trying to, to, to get there together. Okay. So what sort of bodies are these? So we would cooperate with RICS, we would work with IRPM, uh, we would work with ARMA. Okay, so they oversee these changes and reforms and just, do they come up with the legislation or what what do they... No, they do not come up with the legislation itself, but they will be the one who will comment on it. So are they sort of an intermediary? So you go to them, you talk to them about what what the reform will include and then you can chat to them and say, well what you're happy about or you're not happy about and they will put all of your voices together. They do. They offer a lot of advice. So do you feel prepared? I take it you've had quite a while to prepare. Well, truly speaking, you you can never say that you're fully prepared. You never know what the final bill is is going to look like. But realistically, I think we are. We are not 100%. Well, we are not far. We are not far. I mean, you have to have a room for improvement always in anything you do. But at the same time, I'm pretty confident. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we can we can crack it. What changes have you had to make in your company, Bob? We had to look into how we approach the overall fire safety within the block. Up until that bill was put through, it would be a much simplified process. Yeah. So you would do your safety checks, you would have your um, fire risk assessment done, and then you would follow 
through with any advisories listed. But now you have to be much more thorough on how you approach it. You have to be much more thorough on how you perform your checks. You have to adapt in your way of thinking about, about fire safety. So what say changes? What sort of changes do you have you had to make when you're looking at the fire risk assessment, for example? So from our perspective, it is no longer about simply passing on the advisories to a contractor to go attend and, and fix okay. it. It's more about having a full understanding of the impact. So for you, whereas you used to take this report, I guess, from a fire risk assessor, and you used to pass that off and say, right, well, we've got these that we've got to go fix, would you then just pass that off to a contractor to do? But now you've got to have more of an understanding of the impact that those exactly. the fire risk assessment has to you and the building itself. Exactly. Okay, so that... That's quite a big change then. So you've well, had to sort of have a much bigger understanding. It is. It allows people like myself, any any block manager, any property manager, to expand their knowledge. It allows us to uh, get a much better understanding. At yeah. the same time, there are changes which obviously impact us and the leaseholders heavily yeah. that we now have to tackle. And it is something that we are already preparing to do whilst we are waiting for the final bill. So is there specific training that you've had to go through or is that something that you just have gone online, you've read the bill? And you've... Well, in my case, it's, it's probably slightly different because I'm already in the process of doing my degree in health and safety. So That's good. it kind of gives me a very, very detailed insight to, yeah. to the legislation itself. But for anyone that is working as a block manager or property manager, and obviously this isn't exactly their field of, of expertise, there is a number of trainings available. There is a, a whole lot of webinars that you can actually attend to get a better better knowledge of, of what's coming. So these new reforms, do you see them as having a really good impact on the industry? Are they are they necessary? There is no doubt that they are necessary. Grenfell yeah. strategy. Everyone would expect that there will be major changes within the industry and that's exactly what is happening now. So they are necessary. They will have a major impact on everyone involved. This is not just about leaseholders developers and managing agents like ourselves. It's also third parties involved within the block of flats that are not always taking part in any of the discussions when it comes to fire safety. It's companies that do property lettings will be affected. So you're talking about uh, estate agents. So how would they be affected? To give you a prime example, a couple of years ago, I worked for a different company. We had a fire in the car park under a block of flats. The building performed as it should, so it protected all the people. But about three weeks after, I've been to that block on a completely different matter. And whilst I was passing through the corridor, there was a letting agent standing there talking to a tenant. As I went by them, they were actually telling the tenant that if there was ever a fire in the building, like the one that happened a couple of weeks back, there is a fire alarm. They will notify everyone and then they have to evacuate the block immediately. That is utterly wrong. There was never a fire alarm installed in that block. They are not to evacuate. They are actually to remain in their own properties because that is the safest place for them to be. I take it that's because the fire is contained. Within. Exactly. It's a state with policy, but yeah. the letting agents did not know that, and they should. Now, as the block management company, we would always notify the leaseholders of what their current policy is for the block yes. and what they are to do should there be a fire in the block. We would always ask them to pass that information onto the tenants or their letting agents that doesn't always happen. So when you think about it, there are more people that should be involved in terms of fire safety management than just block management or leaseholders. It almost sounds like there should be information that's available to anybody on that particular block and publicly accessible. Exactly. You will have a fire safety policy displayed in every single block. But at the same time, let's face it, 
if you're a tenant, at least half of them doesn't even read the yeah. recycling policy. Absolutely they just not. pass through the lobby, they go to their home, they carry on with their lives. For me personally, it's all about trying to communicate better. This is what the policy is, and this is how we should react. So going back to your degree, what drove your decision to get a degree as opposed to just doing some of the training that you mentioned? The reason I, I've decided to do my degree is because I've been doing this job for a number of years. I'm the kind of guy that came up from facilities background. So back in the day when I started, you would have a separate role of facilities manager and then you would have a separate role of property manager. After a couple of years, those were merged together and the property manager would just do both instead of just property management. Now, I was lucky to work within the industry at the time when these roles were still separated. I've always been more into m and and how things work in a building and how they operate. Um, then this was merged. I just went with the flow. But health and safety and the fire safety, that's always been something that I just wanted to fully understand. Sounds quite integral to what a property manager does, to be fair. It does. It does. And <laughs> really? in all fairness, you know, it's, it's such a major part of, yeah. of your day-to-day -day job. And yeah. ask yourself, okay, so how exactly is that causing a fire risk? If it's a simple doormat, for example. Yeah. And it, it did spark a couple of very interesting conversations in the past, which yeah. I had with people saying, well, hold on, so how is that doormat a risk? You can trip over it if you were to evacuate it. But I'm to stay put in my property. So why would I be asked to evacuate it? Yeah. And there's the challenges that were coming, which I thought that unless I get a better understanding of what I'm dealing with, I may never be able to address it fully. The better you can communicate with people, the easier your job becomes, because the more info you can pass on to them, the lesser chances they will keep asking you more questions. So I spent years working for student group before I joined property management. And there used to always be that saying that people don't care how much you know until yeah. they know how much you care. It's a good saying. It's a, it's a really good <laughs> saying. And it, it, it can be perfectly applied to block management. It's exactly the same route that you have to take. It's all about showing people that you're trying to be the best you can be for them to then allow you and, and trust in your expertise. And me going over to, to my residents and just giving them a blunt statement saying that, oh, well, this is against this fire safety policy or this is against the health and safety without policy. Without being able to give them any reasons why. Yeah, without being able to explain <laughs> to you why, yeah. it would never give them enough trust in yeah. what I'm saying. So it seems you have training in so many different jobs. Why would you not get a degree in something that helps further the safety of the people that you're looking after and the blocks you're looking after? When, when we say health and safety and a degree in it, what does that entail? The range of topics that you have yeah. to cover is, is absolutely enormous. It starts with things like you having to, to, to write a safe health and safety policy in full through things like comparing your health and safety policy that's currently in place yeah. against the standards and providing a written comparison, what it is and what it should be. Risk assessments, um, you go through those and you have to make sure that you fully understand them. You can write them, you can read them, and you can advise on them. Method statements, everything is fully covered. So it sounds like you're kind of going into risk assessment almost. Is there not external companies that do that? Or is that something that you, once you get your degree in health and safety, you can do yourself? Or you still get the advisors to do, but it just means that you have a better understanding of what is in that report. It's actually a bit of both. You would always get a third-party company to do that for you, purely because they are qualified yeah. they probably qualified for much longer than you are yeah. which you know makes them a much better experts in, in yeah. that particular field but the reason why i would want to be qualified myself is because yeah. you can get as many external companies as you want to do your fire safety risk assessments or health and safety risk assessments but the reality is they do not know the block 
or the estate as well as you do. They might not necessarily know that this part of the block is not demised to that block and therefore is not actually their responsibility. So this qualification, I guess there's many different routes that you could go down to get a degree or yeah. the qualification that you're going for. Which one have you? I've taken the NVQ. NVQ. Okay. <clears throat> and the reason why I took this route is purely because that is work-based route to obtain your qualification. And I love the idea of it. I'm actually applying stuff that I have to learn about, which is absolutely perfect. But at the same time, you could always go through the NIPOS qualification, which is exactly the same. We'll give you a level six diploma, but that is study based. Once I pass my degree, I will still get a grad IOSH status with yeah. the um, Institute of Health and Safety, which is what I really want. If you had one key bit of advice that you could give someone, let's say, that's starting up in block management now or has been doing it, but doing it for very little time, what would be the one piece of advice you would give them going forward and with these new changes? I would switch to bakery. <laughs> just go bake some bread. It's a lot easier. People will always buy it. You know, just go over. Why the hell would you going to manage a block? <laughs> Sorry, just... That's great. It's a very good bit of advice. I'm not going to lie. My advice, do not be scared. There are changes coming, but there have been many changes in the past that turned the yeah. industry upside down. Yeah. And yet, we adapt. We just carry on and we will adapt. There is much more support with those changes uh, before they even implemented than there were in the past. Just carry on. You'll be fine. You'll be absolutely fine. It's yeah. a great industry to, to work within. I could not recommend that highly enough, to be yeah. honest. I've been doing that for over 10 years. I've met some amazing people during my time. I'm hoping to carry on for another 20, 30 years before I can retire and live on a nice island somewhere. Nice island? Which island? Which is one? I mean, we are. To be honest with you, as long as there is sun for 300 days a year, I'm not picky altogether. Absolutely fine. Thank you for your time today, Alex from Jones Robinson. Our next speaker will be David Flack from HML Group. This episode of the podcast was recorded just days before the fire safety bill was released. So references to the bill are now law and all the information provided is still correct as it was at the time of recording. Hi, Dave. How are you doing? Hi, I'm right. Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks. Yeah. Yourself? Yes. Yeah, excellent. excellent. Yeah. So, do you want to start by telling us a little bit about HML Group and yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, HML is, is one of the, the bigger property managers within the residential yeah. block industry. We manage somewhere around three and a half thousand blocks across the UK. Lot. It's quite, it's quite a lot. <laughs> yeah. And that equates to about 90,000 units all in total um, flats. We've got a sizable portfolio and the staff to go with it. I myself, I head up the health and safety team that yep. sits internally within HML uh, and we provide the services to the blocks, health and safety assessments, fire assessments and asbestos. So that's all in-house then? You don't have any third-party contractors coming and doing no, that's in-house, health, yeah. safety and fire risk assessments? No. The odd occasion we do where the clients are perfectly entitled to go elsewhere and use yeah. other, other providers, so sometimes they do, but majority of the work is carried out. That's okay, so do you have, so your company obviously, I guess your company's nationwide, you have properties all over the country? Yeah, so we, we, we run from about 25 or so offices from London, the home counties, also to the southwest and Bath and Bristol, we've got offices and properties there and up north uh, and we've recently completed on an acquisition in the Birmingham area. So, excellent, excellent. so you've given us a great background of HML and what you do within the company and you're working on Give us a little understanding of where you've come from. And I've been in the industry about a decade now. I started yeah. with a consultancy company, and from there, I then went into HML as an inspector uh, assessor role, you know, going out and carrying out the, the risk assessments on yeah. the sites. And then a couple of years after doing that, when the team started to grow, I headed up the 
Right. Now I've got a team of about 10 assessors that will work directly with you. So I'm carrying out the job I used to do. That's really good. Yeah. So have you done any qualifications? Or yeah, any? So, I mean, there's, there's a kind of raft of different health sector qualifications that are available out there. I followed the typical route going down the, the NEBOSH line of things. So I started off doing the, the NEBOSH general certificate and fire certificate. Then after a short while, I did the construction certificate, the BOHS P402, which is a specialist surveying qualification. I went on to what's commonly thought of as like the biggie, which is the, the NEBOSH diploma, which is a level six qualification in health and safety. It's quite a meaty profession, a lot, lot of exams. It's worth doing. It, it helps you understand the health and safety at quite a top level. So, I mean, most property managers, I don't suppose, they'll do their health and safety risk assessments themselves. They, no. they bring a company in. So would you say it's beneficial for just an, an ordinary block manager to help have those qualifications? I, I, I think there's certainly some merit in anyone that works in managing property to have a, a, a good understanding of health and safety. And that's, yeah. that's usually getting qualifications in it is a good way to go about it sometimes. Whether they want to go all the way up to something like the legal diploma, probably not necessary, but, but things like the legal general certificate yeah. or IOSH managing safety or something, something similar to that might help them with a, a good understanding of what's necessary in their property and help them you know, explain it to their clients, you know, what, yeah. what's necessary, why it's necessary. And it probably would end up making their job a little bit, a little bit easier. So we're here to talk about the new safety changes that are coming in, mainly for property managers. Being such a big business, how's your business adapted? Yeah, absolutely. I think all managing agents have. With the, the fire safety bill coming down the line yeah. imminently, we have to start adapting our, our services. We've had to start training uh, individuals up to be able to provide fire door inspections and fire door surveys and, and the maintenance work that's going to go alongside that. And then with the building safety bill, which I bet is a little further off, we had to start structuring our business so that we can start providing the, the building safety manager roles to our clients, the high-rise yeah. buildings, along with creating safety case files and the golden thread files and all of that comes along with it. So it's it's exciting time for yeah, everybody. it really is. Obviously, it's, it seems like it's going to be more work for you being a big company and doing a lot of your fire and health and safety assessments yourself. It's more of a step up in your fire assessment for you than it would be for the person who's employing someone to do that for a third-party contractor. Is that be right? Being internal, we we've got greater responsibility to provide our clients the services, but I think the focus is on trying to grow teams to be able to provide that service to the client and to be able to scale the operation. So do you feel you're fully prepared for the new changes now then, or is there a long way we're, to we're, go? We're getting there. We're, yeah. Certainly with the changes that are imminent, with the fire safety bill, yes. we're pretty comfortable with, with what we've got in place now, yeah. what's happening over the next few months. But with the changes coming with the building safety bill, we're, we're still a little way off, but I think everyone is at the moment. We've still got a, um, it's still a little early to tell what changes are going to require you know, yep. until that legislation lands and, and comes into force. It's a little up in the air about what people are going to need to do and what organisations are going to need to do to, to deliver that. These changes that are coming with the fire reform bill, could you, have you got any specifics? To them? Yeah, the main purpose of the fire safety bill is to close off some of the grey areas that the RRO, the Registry Reform Fire Safety yeah. Order, uh, had when that came out. It aims to bring into scope things like the, the flat entrance doors so that they are more clearly uh, defined as, as being part of the responsibility of the managing agent, the responsible person, as well as the kind of external wall systems and the facade and balconies. Yeah. So, what this inevitably means is that those elements of a building will require more surveying inspection to make sure that they're actually up to the standard they need to be uh, and provide the adequate level of protection that, that they're there for. So you say that the doors are now part of the block manager's uh, remit. Who were they before then? This is always a little bit of a complex situation because it was a little bit of a grey area in the RRO who had accountability for those okay. because the, the domestic areas of the premises don't fall under the RRO specifically, although there are some elements of it that do. But because they impacted heavily on the communal areas, i.e. Yeah. if there's a fire in a flat and the door is 
You should not worry about the It's going to impact on the escape route. So uh, you always have that slight, I don't want to say battle, but, but disparity between who was responsible, whether it was the leaseholder, yep. the freeholder, the RMC directors, the managing agents, who's the responsible person in that, in that respect. And the aim of the party to bill is to actually clarify that and make that clear. Ultimately, it's going to come down to the, to the responsible person to ensure that those doors are adequate for... The responsible person, would that be the property manager? So the responsible person will need to be the person who is in control of the block. So it depends on the setup with the leases and the management arrangement. But the, the easy way to look at it is who's in control of the purse strings. Okay, interesting. So um, obviously the fire doors are now coming under the property managers and the external wall systems, they are being scrutinised more heavily? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So they're part of the fire safety bill. They'll require checks and investigations to make sure that they are effectively safe yeah. um, and they're, they're maintained well. There was previously some guidance around that the government issued at the start of last year that placed an onus on building owners to make sure that they had those checks in place for the, for the external wall systems and the facade yeah. and the balconies. This just concretes it in legislation effectively. So once the reform has become legislation, does that mean that you have to then go and retro check all of your properties or have most of the properties already been checked? So it, yeah, it depends on what you've already got in, in place. Yeah, yeah. If, if you've done nothing, already, then there's a good chance you might need to arrange for someone to come and carry out an investigation with yep. your external wall system to see what's there, what yep. condition it's in, how it's installed, what materials there are, um, what the, the substructure's like and how, the, how it's fitted. And then this may drive on the need for further work, depending on what's there, or you might be in a, a clean bill of health, as it were, and then you need to kind of monitor and maintain the, the, the external wall system. So would you say that even though the bill isn't in legislation yet, you would suggest to most property managers to do that work now? Uh, I'd, I'd suggest they, uh, the best thing start. they can do is start having a conversation with their clients yes. so that the clients are aware of this legislation, they're, they're aware of the things they may need to do going down the line. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't come as a surprise to them when, when the legislation does land. Just suddenly they've got loads of properties to, to okay. check out. So what does this bill cover with, with the external wall? Is it just the fact you have to have it checked? Does it cover the fact you have to have the work done? It has to conform? And if it doesn't, then... You need to ensure that the external wall system doesn't aid in the spread of fire and yeah. that, that it's ultimately safe to be on the outside of the building. Um, and so how you do that is you arrange for a competent person to actually investigate it, check it out, make sure it's okay, and where it's not, carry out work to, to rectify that. So is this something that you'll be doing internally? Because most people like us would get a contract. So yeah, external wall systems know internally we're not planning on doing it. It's a very specialised field and yeah. it requires some quite detailed level of experience and knowledge. A lot of focus has been on it in the last year, as I think a lot of you will know, following Grenfell and the BWS1 process. And this is almost born out a new new sub-industry of, of surveyors and facade engineers and fire engineers who provide that service. So you say EWS1, what, what is EWS1? So, yeah, so the EWS1 process is something that RICS developed. Uh, so RICS is the Royal Institute of Chartered Surveyors. I see. And they, uh, in uh, conjunction with uh, UK Finance, so the body that represents mortgage uh, providers created this form which is referred to as EWS1 and its intention was to provide some consistency to how external wall systems and facades are reported on in terms of their level of safety and so what you have is surveyors and, and uh, facade engineers will carry out investigations into the external wall system and provide this document based on what they find and yep. this will then enable leaseholders to provide that to their mortgage lenders for them to be able to sign off the mortgage on their flat. So this is purely from a buyer's perspective and a mortgage company's perspective to say that this is up to a certain standard. Yeah, it's a little bit more complex than that because it's actually not to do with the safety necessarily. It's more to do about what remedial works may be required on that block and therefore what 
money maybe maybe Costs. be committed to it in yeah. the future. So therefore, yeah. it's it's more of a mortgage company to say, well, actually, this block might cost you this amount of money in the future. But that may hinder their asset because ultimately the flat is an asset to the mortgage company. So effectively, the fire safety bill covers the fact that you have to go out and check the external cladding, but the EWS form is more just for from a financial perspective. Yeah, it's not the, really the, the, the EWS one form is, is is completely lender driven. There's no requirement in law to have it. It's a purely industry form, and it's not focused on safety. It's focused yeah. on the external wall system. So they're the two main changes then that are coming in. The cladding and the external mm-hmm. balconies and stuff like that. Yes. Yeah. yeah, there are other minor things, but those are the kind of the focus of the two big, big parts. Where you would have your fire safety all in house, you're now having to get a contractor for a specific part of that. Yeah, so some elements of it, like the facade survey or cladding survey or, or yeah. whatever you want to call it, will carry out separately, but then will obviously form part of the risk assessment process. So the, the risk assessor can make decisions based on the information that's found within the, the facade yeah. survey. So the other um, bill that's coming out is the building safety bill. Could you tell us a bit about how? Yes, yeah, so this is a much larger piece of legislation, yeah. um, and it, it aims to invoke some quite significant changes to building safety within residential blocks. Its main focus is on buildings over 18 metres, because they are usually considered higher risk when it comes to, to fire safety. Could that possibly change in the future? Or is that, yeah, that there, there, there is already some talk about whether that needs to be lowered to bring in buildings over 11 metres, okay. and... We're still far enough away from the bill's introduction as law that there's potentially an opportunity for that to change to bring more buildings into scope. Okay. So what does that bill propose? So a number of things here. One of the, the biggest things it proposes is, is the introduction of someone called the building safety manager, which this would be an individual who would be quite highly trained and highly specialised in, in building safety, structural safety, and mm-hmm. fire safety, who would be the primary point of contact when it comes to safety on a specific high-rise building or high-risk building. And uh, this would be the individual who residents could go to or leaseholders could go to when they have concerns and that it is responsible for creating things like the safety case file and, and the golden thread file for the building for presenting to the this newly formed building safety regulator, which is yeah. a, an offshoot of the HSC. So is that someone that you would employ or would you contract that out? I mean, so we're, we're looking to employ them directly in-house because we've got uh, a large enough team to be able to support that. I know yeah. some of the smaller managing agents may not be able to, to do that. So it's still quite early in the kind of creation of this role. And so with, with the large managing agents, they've got the scale to be able to plan to hire these individuals. Where you've got a smaller managing agent, it's probably not cost-effective to have it in-house because you've yeah. got the, the large number of buildings that you need to be able to, to have these individuals in-house. So the same apply for new buildings as yeah, existing yeah, yeah. It's buildings? Yeah, ex- existing builds and new builds going forward will require this nominated individual in this role. Does this check also change the liabilities? So yeah. the Building Safety Bill introduces another new role, which is that of the accountable person. Okay. So it's a phrase that we haven't, we haven't used before, but it, it, it bears some resemblance to the responsible person in terms of, in terms of fire safety. Yeah. And inevitably, it's going to end up being the, the building owner or the way the legislation is currently worded, the person in the seat of service charge. So they're the one responsible for appointing a building safety manager. Speaking to Alex previously, he was talking about some industry bodies being Armour and IRPM yeah. for a couple of them and how they are helping property managers cope with the upcoming changes and yeah. understand them and get trend for them. So I sit on the Armour Health and Safety Committee, remember that, and one of the things they're focused on is getting guidance documents out to members on some of these changes. And some of those documents are still being written because the changes are so new and you know, it's a little uncertain about what would need to be implemented. But yeah, I'm uh, keen to kind of support the members in that. IRPM, which is more of a qualifications and a competency driver for the industry, mm-hmm. are, are looking at what additions they can make to their existing qualifications to introduce property managers to things like the role of the building safety manager. And again, we've been 
involved in that in the process of helping them and helping them what might be necessary and how they can best implement it. Interesting. So if you had one key bit of advice for property managers, whether they be property managers just starting up or property managers have been in the game for one or two years, what, what would that piece of advice uh, be? I know your block is right. the, the most key one. It, yeah. It's something that property managers don't think is necessary, but the, the best thing they can do is get to know the block, get to know what's there, what's installed there, the equipment that's there, and that will help drive what needs to happen at that property. I'm going to add in a second because I'm selfish and you know, I can do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing to consider is get your client's budget right because that, again, is quite fundamental to being able to deliver the services that are necessary to block. By getting the budget right, everything runs so much smoother. So yeah, yeah. know your block and get the budget right are the, the two takeaways I'd say from this. Interesting. Dave Flett, thank you very much for coming in. Pleasure, um, it's been, been great speaking me. to you and finding out a little bit more about the building safety, uh, fire safety reform bills. Once again, I would just like to thank our guest speakers, Alex from Jones Robinson and David Flack from HML Group. Tune in to next week's podcast where we'll be speaking to three industry professionals who are currently training for the new building safety manager role. If you have any questions, feel free to contact Foresight Consulting. Thank you for listening.